welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, the weekly show for nomads, work campers, RVers, and entrepreneurs looking to earn a living or build a business while enjoying the RV lifestyle. This week's host is Rose Willard. Let's settle in and enjoy the RV Entrepreneur Podcast brought to you by RV Life. This episode is sponsored by Wholesale Warranties. Protecting your RV investment means being ready for anything. An extended RV warranty from Wholesale Warranties is the best way to make sure that if an RV failure happens, you can afford to get back to enjoying the RV life as soon as possible. RV warranties are available for motorhomes, fifth wheels, and travel trailers, new and used, across the U.S. Visit WholesaleWarranties.com for a free personalized RV warranty quote today and hit the road with peace of mind tomorrow. Welcome back, friends. Rose Willard here on another episode of the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Kristen Haynes of The Wayward Home. Kristen is a journalist turned blogger who hopes to inspire and teach people how to live alternatively in an RV, camper van, sailboat, or tiny home. She started her journey to tiny living in a Toyota Prius and has since lived in a Chevy Astro minivan, a sailboat, and now a DIY sprinter van. Her website, The Wayward Home, reaches 2.5 million visitors per year and generates six figures from ads and affiliates alone. That's amazing. She also hosts a podcast called The Wayward Home Podcast. In this episode, we'll dive into all the details on how to grow, scale, and generate income from a niche blog. If you think it's not possible to create a six-figure income from blogging alone, this episode is for you. Kristen's currently sailing in Mexico on the Sea of Cortez near Baja, California, and I can't wait to hear how she does it all. So with that, let's jump into the interview with Kristen. Hey, Kristen, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today on the podcast. You're welcome. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because there are a lot of RV entrepreneurs out there that are currently or maybe wanting to start a travel blog and I'm sure you'll have some really great info to share with us today. So I'm excited to talk about the travel blogging and more specifically how to grow and scale a niche site. But before we get into all that, right now you're on your sailboat in Mexico, correct? Using Starlink to speak with us? Yeah, I sure am. Um, I've been in Mexico for a couple months on the boat and currently uh, cruising down the coast of Baja. We typically spend winters and spring here. And then on the summers, we are in our DIY sprinter van traveling around the U.S. So moving around Mm. with the weather in our two tiny homes. Well, that is awesome. So can you get into a little bit more about your story and how you even came to starting your blog? Sure. So back, I used to be a radio news reporter, actually. And starting in 2016, I lost my job as a reporter as that newsroom totally downsized in San Francisco. It was KGO Radio. And I was also currently with my partner, Tom, who had a sailboat and he wanted to to sail and I wanted to join him in doing that. And I was just racking my brain, like, how can I make a remote income that allows me to travel more and not be stuck in San Francisco? And it was really hard to figure out coming from the radio background, those skills don't necessarily translate into many other types of work. Like I know plenty of my radio friends just haven't found their footing after getting laid off because it's hard to pivot and figure out what to do. And so I did, you know, some freelance writing, I did some travel writing, I did voiceover work and 
all of it was just like not really creating enough income for me to travel full time. And I was reading an article and I stumbled upon how one woman made money blogging. And her name was Michelle Schroeder Gardner of Making Sense of Sense. And in that article, it said she made $100,000 per month blogging. And at that point, you know, I was floored because I didn't know blogs made money. I had no idea. I had had personal blogs over the years where I just, you know, wrote about what I was doing and my life as a news reporter and just they were very personal, like personal stories. And I was like, how does this make money? You know, so that really got me intrigued about blogging as a way to have, you know, a really substantial, steady, remote income. And so I just kind of went into it, you know, head first. I jumped in and I started taking courses and I was determined to make it work. And I did that in 2017. So that's when that all got started. And that's how I discovered that blogs make money. And it was it's just something that still floors me to this day that this is actually happening and that it's possible and it's possible for for everyone, which I'm really excited about too. Yeah, it is possible. Yeah, it blows my mind as well. And so that's why I'm excited to kind of learn a little bit more from you. So you didn't know how to blog initially. No. So what did you do to make yourself better, like really learn about it? How did you go about that? Yeah. So what I did was I immediately enrolled in a blogging course. And that was in July of 2017, just one month mm-hmm. after I started my site. And I was living on unemployment. I was not making much income at the time. I was living mm-hmm. on the sailboat with Tom and I was just not making much money. So I invested in this course and it was $800. And I remember you know, how scary that was in the beginning wow. to, to put yeah. so much money into a course, not even knowing if it would pan out. But I was very determined and I had some savings and I'm like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that course was called Elite Blog Academy. It's probably not one I would recommend now to people. But back then in 2017, it was you know really good for me to figure out the basics of setting up a site and getting going and learning about product creation and all these aspects of online business that I really just had no idea about. You know, I was a total beginner coming from a totally different background. And so I was like, I'm going to treat this as a degree. I'm going to learn something totally new. And so I really put the time and effort into, you know, learning and treating it mm-hmm. as a new degree because there's so much to learn with blogging or niche sites or online business. I'm still learning. So that's how I approached it, like right from the beginning. Yeah. And what were your articles initially that you were writing about just your life and like what you were doing or? Actually, what I started writing about in the beginning was what other nomads were doing. So I would Mm. use my radio, you know, journalist skills and I would set up interviews with nomads and I would write these articles interviewing them about their life and how they made it happen and what they were doing. And I did that because I noticed in the local news kind of Back in those days in 2017, the nomad thing was up and coming, like the van yeah. life, the sailboat living, yeah. how to live on a school bus. And I noticed that all the publications that covered these were getting huge amounts of traffic and social shares. And it seemed like there was tons of interest in this. And so I figured I'm just going to create a whole site about nomad living because it seems like there's interest out there. Mm-hmm. And so I started by writing those kinds of articles. And I was really lucky that I had friends from the media over at a SF Gate, which is a San Francisco newspaper, and they have a digital version. And so they started republishing some of my blog posts. And that's how I got my traffic initially. And that really helped me with my website domain authority. I know that's not possible for for everyone to do that. But Mm -hmm. I did utilize that a lot in the beginning to get that traffic to my site and those articles um, right off the bat. And then, I mean, I know I guess from some experience, but from learning from others too, that you really should write more for your audience. Did you learn that? And then, I mean, obviously it looks like you have, uh, but how did you learn that? 
Yeah, so I do I I do try to write helpful articles for for my audience and I also try to find articles that people are searching for on Google. So mm-hmm. I didn't do that in the beginning. I was more writing people's personal stories, what they were doing. They weren't necessarily helpful articles. They were more articles to entertain and therefore they also did not have any SEO aspects to them. So I really wasn't mm-hmm. ranking very much on Google. Mm-hmm. I started a Pinterest account. I learned about Pinterest and I initially did get a lot of traffic from Pinterest, creating pins for people that don't know. And then you upload those to Pinterest with links to your site. And right. Pinterest is like a search engine in itself. And so that's right. how I got a lot of my traffic in the beginning. But later I learned more. I should be writing for you know what people want to know on Google mm-hmm. and what they're typing into Google. And let me be helpful and supportive and write these articles I know people are searching for because that's really how a website gets traffic is writing for your audience and what they're looking for on Google. Correct. And then you saw a difference in that, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a huge boost in traffic. I, you know, I'm always the learner and trying to figure out new things. Mm -hmm. So I took a course on SEO, stupid, simple SEO. And I just worked, I doubled down on that course, like working eight hour days at my local, my local gym had a a little like cafe in it with internet. And I would just sit there for hours, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, just studying SEO and rewriting and writing new articles. And that really skyrocketed my traffic. And I noticed a huge difference when I started focusing on SEO and keywords. And so that was like a light bulb moment in the evolution of my site for sure. Right, right. How did you first learn about SEO and really implement it? Did you use any plugins or? Yeah, so I first, I I took the course, the Stupid Simple SEO, and he Mm -hmm. recommended using hrefs to find keywords and like top pages with keywords to to try to figure out ideas. hrefs, is that, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so that's a keyword research software that you sign up for. And you can Mm -hmm. use that to investigate keywords and you can see their search volume and kind of how competitive they are. And it helps you create a strategy for your own site if you can find keywords within your niche and then you craft articles around those keywords. So I learned all about how to do that. And that was really a a vital (laughs) thing to learn and do. Is that an ex like you have to pay for that to sign up or is that free? Yeah, that is a paid keyword research tool. And okay. I currently share it. What a lot of bloggers do, because it is expensive, mm-hmm. it's 100 bucks a month. What a okay. lot of bloggers do is they will share it. So I currently share it with maybe three, I think it's three or four other people. So I only pay about 20, 25 bucks a month for it. And I get a certain time slot, like two, three hours a day when I can use it. And so that's a nice thing is that you don't have to pay for these expensive tools. And there are free okay. tools out there as well, or cheaper ones. But I right. found that Hrefs is provided me a wealth of keyword data. And so that's why I really love that Mm -hmm. particular platform. Mm -hmm. Okay, so SEO is a big deal, obviously. And what are some benefits of this SEO over just, you know, posting and sharing on social media, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I found that, you know, social media is pretty fickle. Facebook, I guess in the past, um, bloggers used to get a ton of traffic by posting to Facebook. But over the years, Facebook Mm -hmm. has changed its algorithm a lot. And yeah. people have noticed their organic reach really, you know, falling off of Facebook because Facebook wants to keep you on Facebook. They don't want people right. clicking off Facebook, going to read articles right. on other sites and taking attention away from Facebook. And so they were like, well, you got to pay to play. So you can run Facebook ads to your articles. But of course, that's not mm-hmm. free traffic. And the beauty of writing SEO articles is that they rank on Google and it's totally free. Like my page views are very high. They get up to, you know, 400,000 to 500,000 a month 
of page views. And 75% of that comes from Google and is free traffic. And the other, you know, 25% or so comes from Pinterest still and my email list and other, you know, Mm -hmm. forms of direct traffic. But SEO is really wonderful because it also follows a formula that I understand. I know Mm -hmm. that I can write an article in a certain way. I actually have hired writers now and they write in this way, but it can be personable and it can help the reader, yet it has these formulaic aspects that rank it on Google. Google recognizes it as an article about a certain topic. And to me, it just makes sense for my brain where I don't really understand mm-hmm. the Facebook algorithm. And Pinterest, I have a Pinterest manager for because I don't enjoy that platform very much. But yeah. Google, I just, I feel like I understand it. And I like that. I like the predictability of it. And so mm-hmm. that's what I really love about SEO. Yeah, no, that's great. And I don't know if we mentioned it, but the keywords and re- keyword research and keywords that you type in. What are your keyword research tips? Yeah, what's interesting is, you know, some courses that you take will teach you to look at competitors' keywords in their top pages. And the course will teach you to, you know, go after those top pages, write a better article, but on the same keyword or topic. And while I have done that in the past, um, it's not my favorite way because you're pretty much, you know, trying to outrank another person constantly. And to Mm -hmm. me, you know, people are doing that to me constantly as well. And it's just not as fun. You know, it's just I know it's the name of the game with SEO and people just do that to each other, you know, constantly. (laughs) But what I love to do is I go into Ahrefs and I look for keywords that nobody has written about yet. And being that there's not, you know, tons and tons of blogs on on these nomadic topics, you know, there's not huge amounts of corporate competition or these, you know, tons of websites writing about this stuff. So I can find those special, you know, gold nugget keywords that people really haven't covered. And if I do find a keyword someone else has written about, I try to write also a completely different article with a completely different angle instead of just right. trying to do what they did, but better or maybe more info. I try to make it totally different. And so I kind of, I really hunt in the keyword research tool to find those special hidden keywords. And what's funny is sometimes Google will rank my articles for random keywords as well that I didn't choose. And I look through those keywords and I'm like, oh, that could be its own article. So I'm actually looking throughout my own keywords to find new article Mm -hmm. topics and so that I can expand on in another article. And so I really do like finding those little gems that not everyone is writing about. And therefore, it's easier to rank it. If you're trying to write yeah. what 10 other, you know, RVers have written about, <laughs> right. it's, it's pretty hard to rank. And I have seen that where I'll research a keyword and the top 10 results are all a different RV blog. And I'm like, nope, that's too competitive oh, for me. No. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so oh, those are my main tips is try to find the low competition and longer tail keywords, which means they have more than one word. Um, like, I don't know, a, a random example, like how to find free camping in South Dakota, like that has a lot of words. And so something that has more words like that can be also, Mm -hmm. if you target that phrase, it can be easier to rank for that than just like camping in South Dakota. You're making a very specific article about a very specific query. And so that's that's what I like to do. Right. No, that's very smart. So talking about the niche website, how does someone go about choosing their niche website? You know, maybe they have a bunch of ideas in their head. And how do you know it's going to be profitable? All that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to that. And Mm -hmm. what I like to do is I start my research over on Google. And I like to add some plugin extensions to Google Chrome. I guess they're called Google Mm -hmm. Chrome extensions. And you can use like the Moz bar or the Keywords Everywhere tool. And that'll tell you someone's domain authority. And what I like to do is just randomly start typing in keywords to Google that I think would be in that certain topic. And I try to see what types of results are coming up. Like, 
if a keyword or a niche is very competitive, like email marketing, and you go over to Google, you type in like email marketing tips, you'll see like all these really high DA websites ranking. And then Mm -hmm. I kind of know, well, that, you know, that niche seems too competitive. That seems like there's no way I would get articles ranking unless I spend years and years building the site, getting authority, getting backlinks. That's a lot of work, you know, so <laughs> that is, yeah. So if you choose like a different topic that you're interested in, like knitting or or something, you can mm-hmm. just come up with some phrases that you think someone would be interested in and see who's ranking and then look at their domain authority, click through to their site and look at what types of blog posts they're writing. And you can even look and see if they're on an ad network like Mediavine or AdThrive. I look at that mm-hmm. and I know I know if someone's on one of those ad networks, they're probably making a decent living off of ads. And then I know like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe that's a good niche because they made it onto these ad networks. And so I'll look at that and then I look and see if they have affiliate articles. And it's best if the sites are low DA <laughs> and they're doing this well. Yeah. Then you know okay. like that's a lower competition idea. So that's how I get started in assessing, mm-hmm. you know, a niche site's competition and whether I could rank rather quickly on it. So yeah, right. that's that's what I do. And then like, do you really need to be, I mean, probably would help, but do you need to be an expert in that niche? Yeah. So it really depends on what you're writing about. Google has some ranking factors that they call EAT, expertise, authority, and trustworthiness. And they actually Mm -hmm. just added another E onto that for experience. And Mm -hmm. so you really have to be an expert if you're writing about something that influences somebody's, you know, health or money or life or, you know, something where you do need to have a level of skill and technicality involved. Like you can't just start a website on a certain disease or a certain problem without being a doctor or being a nurse practitioner. So those types of fields or or wealth Mm -hmm. management, for example, really do require you to be an expert. But if you're writing about hiking or, you know, or nomad van life, like what I write about, you don't have to be an expert, but it helps if you have experience. And that's where that other E in the (laughs) E-E-A-T ranking factors come from. is, you know, Google likes it if you write an article and you show you've done that thing or you enjoy doing that. Or if you write about a certain hiking trail, you've actually done the hiking trail and you can, you know, offer your opinions or gear ideas. So I do think it's good to, you know, have some form of experience or interest, especially in your niche. So I try to advise people Mm -hmm. to like figure out, you know, what are your hobbies? What are your passions? Can you expand on any of those into creating, you know, a niche site surrounding that where you can actually be your own expert based on your experience level with that topic. So it is important Mm -hmm. and more important in certain niches than other niches for sure. Yeah. I I mean, my husband and I, we have our own website, Reset Your Journey. We had a YouTube channel, Reset Your Journey. And when we traveled in our RV all over the country, we documented our lives and like, and we also, you know, problems that came up along the way, we blogged about that and vlogged about it. But I feel like we definitely needed to take it more of the route of like you have, you know, writing more things and making more videos about really what the audience is searching for and not necessarily just your life. And we Mm -hmm. tried to intertwine it, but I think you really have inspired me now to kind of get back and uh, veer off in a better direction with that. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because if you're traveling around in your RV, for example, and you want to start a site like a hiking Mm -hmm. site, you know, and Mm -hmm. you have the chance to go to all these trails and explore them because you're traveling full time. And so once you have that keyword research and idea, it can Mm -hmm. actually, you know, inform your future travels or where you go, or what Mm -hmm. you're going to be reviewing or what products you want to review on your site. And so 
yeah, there's like that combination of, you know, keyword research, but also writing it for the audience because you don't want to sound like a robot right. when you're writing the articles as well. No, so. <laughs> no. And we've written ones that were, you know, we, we've done these hikes and stuff, but I feel like, you know, like what you say, you definitely can expand on that. You know, maybe you didn't do some of these specific hikes, but, you know, do the ones you did and then research, right? Is that mm-hmm. what you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to do every single thing you write about on your site, for sure. I know a lot of Mm -hmm. travel bloggers out there haven't visited every destination they write about, but they do thoroughly Mm -hmm. research that destination and, you know, put on the journalist hat and like do the pros and cons and, you know, all the different aspects someone might want to know. Because Mm -hmm. the goal of the article is that the person finds out everything they want to know on that topic in your article. So they're not going back to Mm -hmm. Google and like needing to read like 10 articles to find out what they want. So you want to write an article that encompasses, you know, everything they might want to know about that particular topic. And that just requires, Mm -hmm. you know, the research and the long form writing and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, all the stuff. Mm -hmm. So your website, travel blogging, uh, but you, you know, you're making your money off of ad revenue and no courses as of yet, correct? You know, I did. I recently did a course, actually. I put it together okay. and it, it was just released in January and it's about niche sites. Oh, okay. Somehow <laughs> so, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But most of my revenue is advertising. Which blows my mind. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was my goal in the beginning was to create an advertising-based site because, you know, I wasn't super excited in the beginning about having to sell things. And so I wanted to provide information and in exchange Mm -hmm. for the information, people would have to see ads once in a while. And I know there's pros and cons to that, but that was definitely my goal is to like have a more information-based site. And I do have Mm -hmm. affiliate articles, you know, probably 25, 30% of my income is affiliates. And then I am trying to grow more from product-based income because I feel like that's something I own, I have more control over. And that's why I decided to do that is just to branch out into this other area because, I mean, advertising revenue can fall off. If you go through an economic recession, the advertisers are not paying as much. If you lose Google traffic, you're not, you know, if you, you know, get hit by a Google update, you're not going to make the ad revenue Mm -hmm. or the affiliate income. But if you have an email list and you have a product and you have a strategy surrounding that product, then you're able to have that other income stream in case something happens to the other two (laughs) or three or whatever you have. Yeah, Yeah, so my goal was was to create, you know, Mm -hmm. that as well. And so that's, that was what I've been working on the last few months. (laughs) Good, good, good. Now, I've read about more about scaling a website. Can you explain a little bit more about what scaling is, and then how you did it to yours? Yeah, so scaling is basically when you hire people to help you grow your site, because my goal with my site originally was that it would run itself while I was, you know, traveling around in my sailboat in my van. And my first trip was a sailboat trip down Baja, California. And I knew, and this was mm-hmm. before, you know, Starlink or any forms of internet, that I was probably going to be off my computer for a long time, like a month or six weeks, and maybe even longer as I traveled up the other side of Baja with no internet. And my goal was like, I need this site to keep running <laughs> without me. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I hired a virtual assistant and she was in charge of uploading articles from my writers into the site. And so I also hired the writers, like two or three Mm -hmm. writers. And so they were the ones filling my site with content and the virtual assistant would upload those. So I didn't even have to be involved in it. And so that's how I scaled the site is hiring the writers and hiring the virtual assistant, which I still have to this day. It's been a really good business model for me. I think I started doing that in 2019, a couple of years after Mm -hmm. starting Mm -hmm. my site. And 
I do all the keyword research still. I create the outlines, but hiring will really help someone scale a site way faster than trying to write every article okay. yourself because that gets pretty, you know, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard that's to hard. Write all those articles. I still don't even write that many articles now. You know, most of it goes on to that's my freelance amazing. writers so I can focus on other aspects of my business. So, okay. and you can find, you know, cheaper writers. I don't totally recommend that. I like to pay writers, you know, a decent amount because I used to be a writer. True. And I, I know yeah. how it is. <laughs> and so I pay them <laughs> typically about 10 cents a word. And so, okay, and they're yeah. really good and they're excellent writers and they know how to write for SEO and they're actually living the nomad life. So I love to hire fellow nomads. And so that's my way of scaling my site. But I would just recommend if there's certain things you don't like to do on your site and you have some income, start hiring them out. Like I think yeah, the first outsource, outsource yeah, like yes, I hate graphic okay. design. So I hire, yeah. you know, I have a graphic designer and I, I don't like Pinterest. Mm -hmm. so I have a Pinterest manager, but I slowly scaled it up by hiring those positions that I don't like to do. <laughs> so that's what I did initially. <laughs> <laughs> and these writers, though, how do you find these writers? And how do you find them that are within your niche and, you know, know what you want to be writing about? Yeah, so a couple of them were actually like word of mouth or people that I had followed on social media for some time. So one of my writers is a woman that lived on a sailboat for many years. And I just reached out to her one day because I followed her and we were kind of in touch. And I said, do you do freelance writing? And so she started writing for me and writing, you know, a lot of my boat articles on my site. And she now does other types of articles, but she's excellent. And so I've kind of found her through, you know, my personal connections. And then another way is I posted an ad on problogger.com. And you do have mm -hmm. to pay to post an ad there, like 70 bucks or something. But I really wanted some quality leads. And so I've found, you know, I think I still use them, but two, two, three, no, it was probably three years ago is when I posted that ad and I'm still using those writers. One was a van life writer and one was an mm -hmm. RVing writer that live that lifestyle because I wanted right. them to know how to do that. But even more recently, I've found another van life writer just through Instagram. Um, she's with Boondock Consulting, which I just love. She's a nomad. Mm -hmm. She lives in her van. And yeah, so I hired her to do That's some awesome. more, you know, blog and copywriting for me. Just it's, mm -hmm. there's so many different places to find writers. And it depends on, you know, what you what background you want for that writer, what your values are surrounding that writer, um, and what you know, who you mm -hmm. want to hire, because a lot of people will just go and hire like content writers that don't have a background in that niche. But I just don't like to do that. I like someone to have the expertise. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> I know. I know. It's weird to me. I'm like, but I know people weird. do that. <laughs> but I, it's just not oh, wow. part of what I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> so. I under understand. <laughs> yeah. So with your site now, what are the type of things that you're doing now for your site? Like what's your day to day or month to month? What's your process? Yeah. So a big part of when you have a site, I have over 400 articles on my site now. And so a wow. big part of, you know, when you get to have a lot of articles like that is to be updating mm -hmm. older content. Because if there's content that is on page two or three of Google, just a simple update will help propel that article back onto the first page. So I spend time, you know, looking at what's dropped in rankings. And then I typically assign that to one of my writers. They do post updates for me. And then I mm -hmm. try to get those articles ranking again, because I don't want everything to just fall off the map and like stop ranking. And so mm -hmm. I do that. I look at old content and I also do keyword research. I assign that out to the writers and I work on my email marketing regularly. That's something I'm still trying to learn and hone in. And now I'm trying to learn how to do like Facebook ads 
which are targeting people to go to my email list as a way to sell my course. So I'm kind of working on a lot of online business, big picture kind of things right now. Okay. And I've you know stepped back from that daily grind of writing or uploading, finding photos, you know, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. I've outsourced all that. So I'm focusing more on like, how do I grow this is from an online business perspective? Like, what do I need to be thinking mm-hmm. about and focusing on? And a lot of that is, you know, the email marketing and getting more leads because the email list is where your yeah. people are. And I love That's that. true. And I love writing mm-hmm. to them and having them interact with me and, you know, giving right. them it's things. an audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's an audience that you know, and you know that they want to be there and, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's something I definitely highly recommend is having that email mm-hmm. list. And I try to mm-hmm. email them once a week and the same people write me back. And it just makes me very happy that I'm helping that group of people. And that's really important to me as well. So yeah. those are kind of awesome. the things I do on a regular basis. But Sometimes due to the site running itself, you know, sometimes I just don't, you know, I feel like I don't have to work, which is amazing as Mm -hmm. well. So, and I'm working on my weekly podcast, which as you know, is some work as well. (laughs) Yes, it's a great podcast. Yeah. So that's another thing that I'm putting effort into because I learned Mm -hmm. that anything that creates a connection with your audience is a good thing to be working on. And a podcast creates a a connection because people are hearing your voice. Mm -hmm. They see your personality. So that, and even a YouTube, you know, channel, which I don't want to do YouTube, but people do. It's hard. The editing. Yeah. But they, it's hard. Hours and hours. Yeah. Hours and hours. I know. Seeing your face. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, doing short (laughs) videos is, you know, a way for people to get to know you as well. It doesn't require as much editing because that just blows my mind how much YouTubers spend on editing. I'm like, oh my gosh, so much work. (laughs) I (laughs) like passive income models. (laughs) Right. I know. That's what we're, that's our next step. Earlier, when you said letting the business run on its own, are you absolutely doing nothing or like what, how does that work for real? Yeah. What's interesting is the business would run on its own if Mm -hmm. I did, I assign typically about four to five articles a month. And let's say I could do all that keyword research in about an hour. So technically I could step away after that and things would keep running. I'm pretty confident of that. But with I your do, writers mm-hmm, and, and the, yeah, the and the virtual VA. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. totally. Mm-hmm. And the way that I already have a pretty high DA on my site and I have a, if I'm mm-hmm. choosing the right keywords, these articles will just keep ranking and, and the ad mm-hmm. revenue will keep going up. But I do do my own keyword research because I'm very picky about what keywords to target. And yes. so I still do yes. that. But really, after I do that, it, it can run itself. But I definitely okay. choose to work because I really enjoy working on it. It's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> So I have to like tear myself away from it. It's like, Kristen, no, go do something else. I just love it. It's so fun. And that's the beauty of doing online business is you own it. Mm -hmm. It's yours. And it's really fun, especially if it's a topic you love. So I highly recommend that. So uh, someone just starting out with this or very early on, maybe in their website development, they shouldn't, you know, just take time away from it. They really need to put that work in, correct? Just every day. Yeah. Learn, learn, learn. Oh, do, yeah. Do, do. <laughs> yes. In the beginning, it was insane just how many I would work hours, you know, every single day because I was stationary in San okay. Francisco. And that was okay. actually really beneficial to developing this site. I think it'd be hard to be traveling full time and find that time to work yes. and grow it. Like, I, w- really I would have to agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we were stable in the Bay Area for we just left in 2020, actually. So for the first three okay. years, I was just fo- like 40 hours a week on the site, like just sitting at the gym working mm-hmm. my butt off and like making no money. 
<laughs> so it's yeah. hard. Like some people get very discouraged about by that, that in the beginning, like you just don't see money coming in and you're just spending so much time and you're learning and you're spending money on courses and you're like, when is this going to pay mm. off? And I know that can get frustrating. So how long did, did it take for you to see some income? So it took six months. And then mm-hmm. I made some private ad revenue from a company called Four Wheel Campers. And right. okay. he reached out to me and he's like, I want to put banner ads on your site. And I was like, what? And I said, how about wow. $500 a month? And he said, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I still yeah. work with him to this day on a sponsored post, but he was mm-hmm. my original advertiser. And once he, okay. he put those ads on my site, I just got so excited. I'm like, this can make money. There's potential in this idea. And mm-hmm. I just kept working on it and I got on Mediavine and that was only making like 20 bucks a month at first from ads, but I was seeing that mm-hmm. income coming in and that just kept me motivated because I also knew that other people were making good money and I was reading their yeah. income reports online and I was following other bloggers. And so I knew like it's possible. So I'm like, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just kept working really hard. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mediavine and what the criteria is for that once you have your website? Yeah, for sure. So luckily, when I first started my site, Mediavine only required 25,000 sessions per month to join. But in the years since, they have increased that to 50,000, which is a lot. I know it takes a long time to get to Mm 50,000. But there are other ad networks out there as well for people that are making fewer page views per month. I think Mm -hmm. like Ezoic is 10,000 a month. Okay. So there's other options. I know in the beginning, I signed up for Google AdSense and I put those ads on my site and it was making me like 50 cents a day or less. It was kind of funny or like maybe it was like (laughs) five cents. But once I transitioned to Mediavine, I noticed, you know, it went from making like 50 cents a day to $20 a day. So it was like a huge change in revenue when I was able to join a premium ad network. But you do have to spend tons of time growing your traffic before you can get on an ad network like that. Right, right, right. Hmm. So. Also, would you mind telling us what your digital financial overhead is right now, like at this point? I know when you were starting out, there probably wasn't too much, but... Yeah, like the expenses of running the site? Yes, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's probably... Most of the expenses go to the writers, actually, because probably each article is anywhere Mm -hmm. from two to three hundred bucks a month. And if I'm doing like four to six articles a month, you know, that's where, so I put like quite a bit of money, maybe, you know, it's off the top of my head. It might be like two to 3000 a month. And what I'm paying people, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the writers, that's the Pinterest VA, that's my other VA graphic designer. And so the people in, that's another way that I got the site to kind of run itself was being willing to invest money in, yes, in the content, especially because, you know, while it's money up front, I do know it'll make it back in the long term, especially if I was mm-hmm. able to choose the correct keywords that make me back what I paid in ad revenue. And right. so I look at that, you know, a few times a year. I'm like, okay, I paid 300 bucks for this article. How much has it made me this year? And some do really well mm-hmm. and some totally flop and some make zero mm-hmm. money. And some will make like, you know, many thousands per year in revenue. And that's recurring revenue. And so anyway, so that those are my biggest expenses. And then there's the web hosting which is like a hundred bucks a month due to my traffic levels. And then the online tools I use for keyword research for, you know, social media scheduling, you know, there's all these online tools I also pay for. And those add up really like, let's pretend I didn't hire anyone and didn't hire any writers. The overhead would probably Mm -hmm. be more like 
five to 600 a month, which is not okay. too bad for like a pretty large website operation. So, mm-hmm. you know, but in the beginning, obviously it's way lower. You're basically just paying like your domain, your web, hosting. web hosting. Yeah. Okay. And any other yeah. tools you might want to spend money on, but it definitely doesn't have to be that much in the beginning for sure. No, no. And what is your site generating now? Yeah. And financial and like ad income. Yeah. So it's generating yeah. mm-hmm. like between 20 and 25,000 a month. And that is wow. in, you know, mostly ad revenue. And then mm-hmm. I would say like 25% is affiliate and then growing the course revenue now, which I would like to have that be like one of the mm. prime, also yeah. one of the prime income makers. And so, yeah, so that's how it's grown over the years, which is amazing that most of that is ad revenue. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. phenomenal. And that's just from getting page views and finding the right keywords that people are clicking over to. Right. Yeah. People have to find you. Yeah. You need to have that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty stable. And I have gotten hit by Google updates, um, which have affected my ad revenue. And the ad revenue goes way down in winter and up in the summer. So it's also cyclical. And you have Hmm. to be prepared to deal with that. Because in the winter, not as many people are looking for, you know, van life and RVing topics. True. And in the summer, the search traffic goes up. So I kind of see a swell in ad income in the summer. And then Mm -hmm. it goes down and like January is the worst month. But (laughs) but it's (laughs) it's kind of interesting that it's been so consistent. Kind of whether I work or don't work, I can check, you know, here's what I made on Mediavine today. It's like, you know, 400 bucks or 500 bucks. Right. And I didn't it was a day I didn't even work. And so I just think that's thrilling. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very exciting that that keeps happening like on a daily basis. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about since tax season is upon us, um, how do you deal with taxes and do you domicile in a certain state? Yeah. So I changed to South Dakota in 2021 and Mm -hmm. I love that state has no income tax, which is really helpful. And then I recently became an S corp this year in 2023. And so that will reduce my tax mm-hmm. burden. <laughs> so, you know, Good. the more you more you make, the more you yep. pay in taxes. Yep. Sometimes it astounds me like, oh my gosh, that's my tax bill. But that's just, you know, Ouch. that's all right. Yeah. That's how it is. <laughs> and that's I right. I have an accountant and she actually does oh, all my taxes because there's no way I could figure out. Right. And I don't want to. It's like, that's not right. what I want to be that's working on. That's not another thing you want to put on your plate and learn, right? You want exactly. to outsource. I've tried to learn that I need to focus on things that are going to be like business building or revenue building or yeah. connecting with my audience. Like I need these high level things I focus on and I need to outsource the other things because <laughs> you can get bogged down with an online business. There's so many aspects to it that oh, yeah. I think you have to focus on like what you're good at, what you love and what will promote your the growth of your business. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. I try to think about. But yeah, the taxes for sure are a really big deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we used to own a small business 20 years and thankfully my husband was really into learning and taxes and doing all that. So he did all our book work and our taxes. So thankful for that. But yeah, if he didn't, then we'd have to outsource for sure. For sure. it gets tricky in your own business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are, luckily, there are accountants out there that specialize in blogs and online business. business. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Because we just have such different expenses, you know, than other types of businesses. And it's nice to find someone that specializes in like blog sites or like digital creators. And so that's who Mm -hmm. I hired as someone. She has her own food site and she's also a CPA. And so it's like, perfect. Oh, perfect. Double (laughs) duty. Totally. (laughs) So what are some, if any, challenges 
of working on your niche site from the road? Definitely distractions. Um, Definitely, especially, I'd say more when we're in the van, it becomes, I guess, in both the boat and the van. But I think the van, we we travel more and we're on the road more. And so I'm having less time to like sit down and really focus on stuff. And Mm -hmm. so I find myself, you know, getting distracted. I want to like go on a hike or I want to on the boat, Mm -hmm. I want to go out snorkeling or I want to paddleboard. I'm like, I don't like feel like working today. So I guess like trying to be to tamp down the distractions is one thing. But then on the flip Mm -hmm. side, like I told you before, I love to work. And sometimes I feel like I work and focus too much. And then so on the flip side, it's like, oh, when do I break away? And I've tried to create a rule for myself like, oh, 5 p.m., you know, you're not going to work anymore. And so I'm not one of those people that's going to do like 10, 12-hour days working into the evening. I create that hard cutoff. I'm like, nope, it's, you know, over. And I want to hang out with Tom, my partner. We want to have our happy hour. We want to have an evening. And so I think maybe if I was by myself, I'd have a harder time with that deadline. But because I want to go hang out with him, it's like a nice Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, oh, good. It's time to stop working. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's good. Choosing a time, like cutoff time. Yeah. And, you know, well, I got to get the rest done tomorrow so that, you know, you you unwind and you stop thinking about everything. It's just so much when you own your own business and you're just always thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, creating that work-life balance is super important Mm -hmm. because you don't want to just be into your computer like for so many hours because the whole point of traveling the way we do you know in rvs or boats or vans is to be outside and to like have freedom and adventure you don't want to be just looking at a computer constantly and so that's a good thing to think about and to balance and to like enjoy that freedom from the business you've created you know so Mm -hmm. it's all very important to, to keep that you know in mind yeah it is it is and so what do you like best about running a niche site. Yeah. So I think what I do like best is the fact that you get a lot of freedom out of it. Once you go through that effort of, you know, all the work in the beginning of setting it up and when it starts making money and you can step away from it is when it's, you Mm -hmm. know, totally amazing, like that freedom. And then the freedom to just choose the topic you write about, because I did a lot of freelance Mm -hmm. writing that I wasn't passionate about or topics that were just not up my Mm -hmm. alley. It was so painful to do that writing. (laughs) And with a niche site or blog, I mean, you're choosing your niche and it, hopefully it's something you love and that you could talk about for many hours and you're passionate about. And so that's exciting. And it's also connecting with my audience is one of my other favorite things. It's just when they email me, because I do do, you know, mostly communicate with them via email. I love mm-hmm. when people email me back or when they email me with questions. And I love that connection because I think also as a nomad, you can feel a little bit outside of society, especially if most yeah. of your friends are housed. But if you're roaming around, people at home might not get it, like mm-hmm. get what you're doing. And so it's fun right. to have that community to interact with that has to do with, especially my niche of nomads, that people are either oh, aspiring yes. to do it or they're currently nomads. And you're like, oh, yeah, you make me feel not right. as like weird. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's fun to have that community surrounding me as well. So that's one of my other favorite things. There's so yeah. many benefits of having a niche right. site or online business. It's just, you know, amazing. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, community, that's so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Is there anything you don't care for about doing this, running this blog, this niche site? You know, that's so hard to say. Probably the thing I don't like and get frustrated with is graphic design. <laughs> like oh, if yeah, I have you to mention that earlier. That's, yeah. And I know, and I keep talking about that because I just hate it because I feel like everything that's I create okay. is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, it's gosh. so funny. It's like, oh no, I have to create a podcast like graphic. 
and I tried and it was looking so bad. And I was like, nope, I sent it to my graphic designer. Um, I did. And I'm like, yeah. can you create this in one day for me? And she just shot something back that was beautiful. Sure. Yeah. And so oh, that's awesome. That aspect, you know, I, I don't really like, but gosh, there's not very many other aspects I don't like that much. So, oh, web design. I don't like web design. That's another one is when Mm -hmm. I started the Wayward Home, I didn't have money to hire people. And so I designed my own site and it just, you know, it looked bad. And Uh I, but that's okay. I want to tell people out there that if you hate web design and you think you are bad at it, it's fine. As long as your homepage looks kind of organized and and you're writing articles people can find on the internet, it doesn't matter that much what your homepage looks like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, several years later, I hired someone to redo my site and I love what she did with it. But I didn't do any of that. (laughs) And I still have a hard time designing sites or doing any kind of design work. And I guess that all goes with the graphic design. It's just my brain isn't organized in that particular way. But definitely Mm -hmm. everyone will find out what they like and don't like about about running a website for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So for the new brand new travel blogger that's just starting out, or maybe they're just trying to grow and they're trying so hard, what are some of your best tips and advice for them right now? Really, it's to to learn how to do keyword research. However, that may be, you know, there's podcasts, I'm sure that you can listen to on keyword research, there's free trainings, you can, you know, research it online. I do like if you do have income, I do suggest investing in courses like that's what I did to learn because I do think that you know you can get make that money back if you know how to write for SEO especially you know because you're going to get ad revenue on that one day or you're going to get affiliate income on that one day but learning SEO is huge and just keeping with it just having the mindset that this is going to be challenging at first it's going to take a ton of time and effort and that's okay just keep with it you know don't get frustrated don't stop because you haven't made any money yet it's an ongoing mm-hmm. process and a challenge. And I think a lot of people do quit because they're not seeing the return. But right. it's time consuming. You know, it's not necessarily like difficult once you learn the certain aspects of how to write a blog post. Because I didn't know that either, how to write a blog post. I would just write these really long chunks of text. I was like, what's a subheading? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I had to learn even how to write and format a post for the internet. And so mm-hmm. there's all these things like formulaic aspects of blogging that you need to learn. But once you learn those things, you just keep applying it over and over and over. And it doesn't have to be particularly difficult once you kind of have those foundations down. So I'd encourage people to learn those. And also, yeah, keep trying and keep writing. (laughs) It's just, it'll turn out, you know, if you you follow some of those, those main foundational principles. Yeah, oh, for sure. I feel like (laughs) Uh, sometimes in the RV world, we, you know, there's so many people doing it right now, but I guess there is still enough out there. And if you research your keywords and your SEO and you learn all you can, I mean, you just have to be on top of it, but there still can be a niche out there for you. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, and once you research that niche, like I was saying, like looking at the competition and how many keywords mm-hmm. there are, you can also look at keyword data using like the keywords everywhere, Google Chrome extension, which is really affordable. And then you can kind of look at keywords and their volumes and competition. And that'll give you an idea of, you know, various things you could write on your site. But I do think there's enough keywords for everyone because there's so many that people Mm -hmm. just haven't found yet. And so you just have to do your digging and find them. They're out there. (laughs) And there's ones that other people haven't touched (laughs) yet. You just have to know Mm -hmm. where, where and how to look for them, I guess. So I do think that there's competition, but there is, you know, plenty of articles that need to be written still. That's true. 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So my big question is now that with the whole AI stuff going around, what are your thoughts on AI? Do you think it's going to hurt or help bloggers? Do you think it's a good resource? Yeah, that's something that I grapple with, you know, off and on, because coming from a journalistic background, I just love writers like real people. I do Mm -hmm. think AI has its place, though. I've experimented with it quite a bit, and it can come up with a pretty good bare bones like outline or bare bones article, for example. But then you have to go in there and massage that article quite a bit. You have to like fact check Mm -hmm. that article, rewrite the article to include your voice and your experience. But you can use it, for example, like to outline a blog post, which is really cool. And that can give you like the headings that you should touch on. So that's one way to use it. Or sometimes I use it to help me create titles because I'm not you know, super good at writing mm-hmm. blog posts or even podcast yeah. titles. And so I'll ask it to help me create titles. And then it will create full blog posts for you. I'm experimenting with one called Koala, Koala AI right now. And you give it like a mm-hmm. keyword and you tell it what voice you want it to write in and it will spit out a full article, but it does require quite a bit of massaging, you know, before I would even post something from that. But it is going to explode the amount of content on the internet, though. And I don't know what's going to happen, you know, over the next couple months or years when with this Mm -hmm. explosion of content or how Google is going to rank it or what they're going to think about it. And so I'm slightly hesitant to use it that much. I'd rather like invest in my writer's But I do think it'll change the landscape, but I don't really know how yet. (laughs) But it's definitely here to stay. And it's definitely new. I mean, new apps come out every day and new ways to use AI. So it's definitely going to be there. And I think it's a good thing to pay attention Mm -hmm. to and learn how to Mm -hmm. use it, especially for things you don't like doing, like the headlines or the topic. Like I went to it and I asked it, like, what are like 10 podcast episodes about van life that I could do. And it came spit out Mm -hmm. like all these different interesting ideas. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Wow, That's a good way to use Mm -hmm. AI. And so you're not really using it to create all this content, but just ideas. And I think it's really cool for that. Yeah, Yeah. I use I definitely like it for that. Okay. All right. That's Mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because my husband and I, we have experience with a couple blogs and we're trying to start a new one. And he recently was experimenting with this AI for both CSS coding and like the actual content. And uh, it was just all an experiment. He's just curious, but he asked it very specific questions and it did very well and was pretty accurate. This was technical, this is more scientific stuff, but it was not maybe to the scientific depth that we're used to, but it did a decent job. But yeah, I agree. You still have to fiddle around with it and make it right the way you want it. Yeah. And a lot of AI I was finding was like spitting out like all this wrong info. And to me, that's Mm. very time consuming to have to like, it's probably getting better, you know, every day, but it's time consuming to go back and be like, was that accurate? Was that accurate? And like to have to Mm -hmm. fact check everything. But Mm -hmm. I do think it is getting, it's getting better. I think they were saying like chat AI or the chat GPT I think it only had mm-hmm. data to like 2021 or something. So it doesn't have the most oh, up-to-date geez. information. Okay. And so... But it will. <laughs> it w- I'm sure it will one day. These things are it just, will. yeah, developing so fast. It's insane. Oh my gosh, it is insane. Ugh. All right. So quick on your site, you have a free email course that I was kind of going through that a little bit. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. About plogging. And then now you have this other course that you just rolled out. Can you explain a little bit? Why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So that one's called Niche Sites Made Easy. And the reason why I developed this one is because I 
kind of made it in a way that I would have wanted to learn at the beginning. So it's for people who have no like experience in this at all. It's not like for an advanced SEO blogger, for example, mm-hmm. but it's like how I have like a whole module on like how to choose your niche. This is what we talked about with the competition and the keywords. And then I have um, modules about how to like even set up your site on WordPress, how to design your site if you're not a designer like me and what mm-hmm. I do. And then I dive deep into like the keyword research, the content writing, the scaling. So it's kind of like how to grow a site from the ground up for people who have no idea how to do it. I wanted to make it basic, short videos, but with a lot of info. And so it was everything <laughs> I wish I had known in the beginning instead of taking Elite Blog Academy which was fine, but it didn't talk about SEO, which I think is so important, you know? And so that's why I developed this as a way to teach nomads how to make that passive income Mm -hmm. that I've achieved because I do think I came from a background of knowing nothing. And I hope it inspires people like that if you know nothing, it's still possible. Mm. You just have to learn the right things. And I was trying to include that in my course, but it's brand new. It came out Mm -hmm. in January. And so people have given me good feedback, but I do want to teach people because it's just so fun and it's just such it a good is. way to make money as a nomad. It's just, I think it's it an is. amazing thing. So so how many steps are there? And it's video-based, correct? Yeah, it's video-based and it has some text underneath it too, but it's mostly video-based. And I tried to keep them short mm-hmm. because I've taken courses that have like 30-minute videos and I'm like, oh, I just can't mm-hmm. watch a 30-minute video right now. So I tried to keep yeah. mine pretty short so people can digest it, go back, revisit but it has um, eight modules, so it's not too oh, intense. That's not bad. Yeah. But, you know, each one has, I don't know, a, a range of videos, you know, five to ten videos mm-hmm. about going in depth on each of those topics of niche site creation. And so I actually started another niche site in January um, to kind of test mm. my theories because obviously I started the Wayward Home in 2017 and I was doing right. the keyword research, I suggest, on stuff. And that's already getting you know, like it's ranking for, I think like a couple, like 1000 or 2000 keywords, and it's getting like a 1000 a month traffic. Well, that's a neat test to see. Yeah, I just wanted to try it and see, you know, if it was working, like, like I say it does, and it is. (laughs) Right. Right. I would want to know that. (laughs) That's a good question. That's a good thing you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so I started and it's doing really well. And I'm like, Oh, good. These methods are still sound. (laughs) So Right, you're proving what you're talking about. Exactly. I wanted to create a case study. And so that's kind of something else I've been working on on the side. So yeah, so I'm just really into the whole niche site thing right now. I just think it's great. And there's so many topics available for people to write Mm -hmm. about. It's like sky's the limit. So it's pretty fun. Right. And how much is this course? Yeah. So for full price, it's $197. But for I'm going to add a coupon for people who listen, um, it would be $147. And I will give you that link. And so you can add it. that in the show notes. Yes, you can add that. I wanted to keep it affordable because as I know, as a nomad, not everyone's starting out with like a ton of money to invest in courses and products, mm-hmm. you know, and it's scary to, you know, pay for something that if you're not making any money at it yet. Yeah. And so yeah. it was important for me to like, keep it at a good rate. <laughs> so no, I'm sure everyone here, all our listeners, we will all appreciate that. So yeah, thank you. yeah, totally. And so and I, I'm available, like for questions, I have people email me and I love, you know, talking mm-hmm. to people and answering their questions. So it's not like they'll buy it and I'm totally gone forever. It's like, um, I'm available. That's <laughs> good. Questions. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, I love helping mm-hmm. people succeed. It's really important to me. So yeah, I'm, super, great. I'm really excited about all of it. Oh, this is all awesome. 
Is there anything else? I don't know. I think we covered everything. Is there anything else you would like to say about what you do or travel blogging, creating this profitable niche site? Yeah, you know, we covered so much. It was really great how in-depth you went because I think it really gives people an overview of what it's like and the pros and cons. And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, encourage people to go for it. If I do think that people should like to write, this definitely something that people should have in the beginning until they can afford to outsource. I do know some niche site owners immediately outsource writers, but that costs, you know, quite a bit of money. So enjoying writing Mm -hmm. about your topic and enjoying the process of writing, I think is important to people's success. And um, if you love to learn, if you love to like, you know, implement new ideas and to be constantly learning, then this is definitely a good business model for you. Like I'm still taking courses. And so five years later, so there's always something to learn, which is something that mm-hmm. I love because I have a very inquisitive brain. I like to do something where I'm always learning. So that's a, yes. definitely another benefit yes. I didn't mention before. So yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> no, I, I, I homeschool my boys and we are always learning. I tell them we are learning all the time in life. We don't have to be sitting down at a desk. Yes. Looking at a book, you know. So So true. Yeah. That's great. 100%. That's amazing. (laughs) So Kristen, I really love what you've created, uh, this asset that just creates revenue for you, even if you're not running it at times. So that's really a plus. And you gave us a lot of very useful info today. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, they want to take your course, where can we find you? Yeah. So definitely over on thewaywardhome.com. And then I'm also on Instagram, The Wayward Home, and Facebook, The Wayward Home. And then I'm at Kristen at thewaywardhome.com. But mm-hmm. yes, I do have also a free intro email course, which is five days. So if people want to just kind of yeah. get an idea of what niche sites are about and a little more info, mm-hmm. they can they can do that. Or they can do the full course if they're ready to jump in. And so yeah, so that, that stuff's available on my website. And I'm sure it's also in the show notes if people want to, you know, look there, it'll be easy to find. And Mm -hmm. so yeah, there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. options for people to reach me. I love chatting with people, you know, send me a DM on Instagram or however you want to talk to me. (laughs) I'm available on all those channels. So so yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen, so much for taking the time today to speak with me. And like I said, I'll be sure to put all those all that information in the show notes. So thank you. Awesome. This was so fun. And yeah, I really enjoyed meeting you and speaking with you. And I hope that people learned a little more about niche sites with our talk today. And yeah, just something I'm very passionate about, obviously. I can tell. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed and learned something from this episode with Kristen. I know I did. If you're interested in getting started with van life, want to know more about tiny living, or maybe you want to learn more about travel blogging and how you can make money doing it, check out Kristen's website by clicking on the links in these show notes. And for all our listeners, Kristen has offered a 20% off coupon code for her niche sites made easy course, which I'll also put in these show notes. As always, thank you guys for taking the time to listen today. You are all appreciated. Until next time, be well.